Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. The information and opinions you hear on the Del Wamsley Radio Show are those of the host, Del Wamsley, his guests, and his callers, and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this station, its affiliates, its management, or advertisers. The Del Wamsley Show is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a professional regarding your personal investment needs. Nothing presented on the Del Wamsley Show constitutes an endorsement, recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or security. Welcome to the Del Wamsley Radio Show. Dell challenges the status quo, questions everything, and empowers you to return to your core beliefs to make your life better. If you're ready to hear the truth and get your roadmap to the lifestyle you really want, the next hour will change your life. And now your host, self-made millionaire, national award-winning investor of the year, CEO and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, Dell Wamsley. Welcome to Del Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Del Wamsley, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. So, my friends, um, have I ever made a mistake in real estate? Ah, that's a good question, isn't it? And the answer is yes, I have. I made quite a few. That's one of the reasons I have the ability to teach. It's because I can tell you what not to do. Not just what to do, but what not to do. And from the beginning, 30 years ago, when I started teaching real estate, that was pretty much as a type B personality that I am, which is the analytical and um, not willing to move very fast, kind of uh, put it off until you know it's safe kind of guy uh, that really didn't want to take action, but had to force myself to do something. If that sounds more like you, then, you know, then you're more like me. I don't like to take risks, yet at the same time, I've taken massive risks. And I've taken massive risks because I didn't know I was taking massive risks. If I would have known I was taking massive risks, I probably wouldn't have done it. But you know, ignorance is bliss sometimes, and that bliss is not so blissful when you find out that that ignorance was a problem. And I've made them. So today I'd like to cover some of the things in real estate that I've run up against that I thought was just, you know, wasn't important at the time when I started into that particular real estate deal and then found out it was absolutely important as I got more and more involved in that real estate deal. And as we get into this, I want you to understand, I'm not telling you this to scare you away from real estate. I'm trying to get you to see that if I would have had a mentor, if I would have had somebody to tell me what to do and what not to do, I would have been able to solve 
or eliminate or avoid certain problems. Now, having said that, I still ran into those problems. And those are the kinds of things that you, uh, it's just part of life, I guess. I can't think of any other better way to say it. Because I don't have a secret method of never doing something wrong. Now, we've been in this argument before where many, many successful people say that, you know, if you're not where you want to be right now, you've not failed enough times. And I still don't believe that, even though I'm sitting here telling you that I failed to make the correct decision multiple times in my life, that I've done things that have led to um, problems in my life. I still don't consider it failure because I was able to... Um, defend those failures to the point where they weren't deep enough, strong enough, wrong enough to take me down at that moment. Now remember, everything is in that moment. If you had millions and millions and millions of dollars, a little $10,000 mistake is no big deal for you. If you have $10,000 and the $10,000 mistake becomes your entire net worth. So it's also relative. You know, what are you willing to risk? And as I sit out here myself today, I'm still looking at things in life, what I want to do and don't want to do, and things I want to try and things I want to have. And each time when I look at these, I look at them relative to the risk I'm willing to take. Now, I'm pretty risk adverse, which is not a really good thing for a motivational speaker, right? Motivational speakers are supposed to go, Yahoo, go get it, kill it, right? Take it, attack it, do it. It's just not my personality, sorry. <laughs> my personality is, whoa, wait a minute, stop, back off. Let's take a look. Let's see where this goes. Let's look at what everybody else has done. Let's look for all the possible failures in this situation. Evaluate those possible failures as to what they would do to me as a whole, and is that risk worth taking? Those are the kinds of things um, that you have to look out for. So as we get into this today, again, it's not to be negative. It's obviously not to be positive. It's about what can you do to lessen the risk in investing in real estate, right? Now, I'm going to tell you the first one and what I believe to be the most important one, and that is inspections. When I first started out, and when you're nobody, and you go out into the real world, and you run up against brokers, and what is a broker? Well, whether it be a stock broker, an insurance broker, or a real estate broker, the reason they're called brokers is because after you meet them, you're broker than you were before you met them. What does that mean? That means that they are salespeople and they are selling you a bill of goods. Whether the deal is good or bad is irrelevant to them. And it might be either way, but they're still selling. And they've got approaches to that sale. Only once you get to the point where you're as strong as they are in the knowledge of the business do you have the ability to ward off their professional sales techniques. Otherwise, what they tell you 
is that this is the way it works. Wow, I've heard that so many times from people. This is the way it works. This is how we do it. This is how it's done out here in the real world. And once you're in the business, you realize that that's really true. This is the way they force it to be. This is the way they corner you. And if you don't play their game, then they take you out of the game. In other words, it's real easy for a broker to tell the seller, this guy's a lunatic. He's demanding unrealistic demands on the situation, and he's not worth your time. Let me find somebody else, a la, quote, unquote, quotation marks, fingers in the air. Let me find a sucker that will do what we want him to do, which is to buy this property blindly without actually doing the due diligence necessary to find out what it's worth. Now, when you're first starting in the business, leastwise, if you're starting the way I did, not many of our members are coming in here now and starting at a very strong position. But when I started, I had no help and I had very little money. So I had to go after really bad deals. When I say bad deals, I mean properties in bad repair. Right. And so I would go after these deals and I'd want to go in and inspect them. And it was really two things were really wrong with that thought process. The first one was they didn't want me to inspect them. And the second one that was wrong with that was that I really didn't know what I was looking for. And the third one was, even if I did and I found something, I didn't have the money to repair it anyway. So it just meant I wouldn't get the deal. So I had really two choices. The choice was take it blindly and put up with whatever happened and survive it or walk away from it because there was really not that much money in my hands and to be able to do repairs. Now, later in the game, as I learned this business, one of the things that I learned was if you inspect the property and find everything is wrong for it, you can go analyze what it costs to repair everything. And then you should fix everything right up front. And that becomes a part of the cost of buying the property. That's a, that is <laughs> what we teach lifestyles is so simple. Uh, it only took me like 10 years to figure that out, probably. That a deal could still be a deal, even though there's a lot of repairs, even though you bring the money in, but you've got to bring the money in up front because you're never going to have be able to do the repairs out of the cash flow. And if you do the repairs out of the cash flow, there is no cash flow. And if there's no cash flow, you don't make any money and or you can't pay the mortgage or both. And so right up front, it's important, it's imperative, in fact, that you know what the repairs are going to be or need to be before you get into the deal. And so an inspection is something that's so important on any real estate deal you're going to get into. I'm going to give you some examples of really bad situations when we come back from the break and other ones where there was really very little.
worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Talk 1370, the right choice. Welcome back. Now here's some more unconventional wisdom to set you free from the man on a mission to retire America one person at a time, Del Wamsley. Welcome back to Del Wamsley Radio Show. Today I'm talking about mistakes that I've made in the past um, before because I didn't have a mentor and there was nobody there to tell me what to do as I went through this process of just learning from one step to the next and the one I've started with here is the, the inspections and the fact that you need to do a thorough inspection of the property the physical structure of the property um, in fact you know I didn't even say it but really you need to do thorough due diligence and all aspects of the property and um, that's even more involved in inspections but we'll start with inspections so when I first started the first house I ever bought was a Fannie Mae foreclosure this was back in the 80s and Fannie Mae had come up with this idea that there was like 800,000 houses that were repossessed and what they did was they decided to get rid of them all was they would fix them up. They brought contractors in and renovated them and then turned around and sold them and put Fannie Mae mortgages on them. So you're, you're looking at Fannie Mae, the bank, was giving you the loan on the deal and they had done the rehab. So the rehab was done to their expectations and there was really no need to get an inspection a la other than common sense. Uh, which, and I say, when I say there's no need, I was, that's tongue in cheek. There's no need. Uh, because they are selling you the property and they did the rehab and they're going to lend you the money. So if there's anything wrong, you know, their collateral is what they created. But that wasn't exactly true in many cases. What was happening was they were doing major things. Um, for instance, they would replace the roof in almost every house, replace the flooring. Uh, they replaced the appliances in, in every house. They painted the inside, painted the outside. So, I mean, cosmetically, the property was in good condition, very good condition, in fact, uh, amazingly good. So it kind of left me at the very beginning under the belief system that inspections were not that important. In other words, I bought a bunch of these things, these foreclosures. In fact, I bought four of them in a row. The first four deals I bought were these kinds of foreclosures. So I built in this immunity 
to the fear of there needing to be massive inspections. I never paid for an inspector to come in and inspect a house and find out what was wrong with it for me. Um, so that became my modus operandi. Now, later on down the line, things went wrong with these houses. Probably couldn't have stopped it uh, by having an inspection and probably wouldn't have not bought them because of it. But one of the things that happened to me was anything was built in the 80s was built with um, plastic water lines coming from the city's main water supply out of the street. So the stuff that went from the street to your house was plastic. Now, 15, 20 years ago when I was dealing with this, 30 years ago when I was dealing with this, I could tell you what that stuff was called. Um, but it was some kind of polybutylene type of polymer plastic type pipe that didn't hold up, bottom line. And so I ended up replacing those water supply lines in many, many houses that were built during that era and the 70s, the 80s, and so forth were all built with this stuff. Another thing that I never knew about was back then, houses were wrapped in something that was like a masonite product. And if you've ever seen masonite, it's kind of like a paperboard type of product. Pressed paper material, pressed and glued and whatever it is. And that was on the outside of the house. And the only thing keeping the paperboard from rotting away was paint. Well, just as soon as that paint was cut or scratched, the paperboard would wick water up into it. It would bow, it would bend, it would rot. And pretty soon the siding on your house was useless, just completely useless. And, you know, that stuff we don't run into as much today because most of the houses today have something called hardy plank on it, or that is, a, that is the pro name for a cement board. Uh, another period of time there was stucco was a problem. And it was here in Texas, they had the stucco that wasn't the correct kind of stucco. And it would wick mold in, and the whole house would blow up with mold, and the stucco would fall off the side of the house. Uh, again, all kinds of problems, but you'd have to understand construction. I never understood construction. I wasn't an engineer. I didn't know what that stuff meant. So we'd run into that kind of stuff. It was just problematic, right? Here of late... Uh, hasn't been a problem until the last 10, 15 years is there's a type of, uh, what do you call it, circuit breaker box and circuit breakers that they won't insure anymore. And it started out, they wouldn't insure a house that had them because you couldn't replace them. And you couldn't replace them because they wouldn't build them anymore. And then finally it got to be they wouldn't build them. You get to the real answer. They wouldn't build them because they weren't safe. And so now you can't get your house insured unless you replace all the circuit breakers. Again, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, now 20 years ago, whenever it was I did house, I could tell you what those were. In fact, actually, we had some of them uh, in apartment complexes, too. We ran into it. So these were the kinds of things, you know, you're running into. When you get to apartments, it's even way, 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 way more important you have inspections because there's just all kinds of stuff. I mean, I could go on that list forever and ever and ever. But 
we're just starting at the bottom with the houses and stuff, the inspections. Now, one of the things that you run into is brokers will tell you that they all look the same. That's another one of their favorite sayings, especially if you buy an apartment. And there's, you know, 40, 50, 100, 200 units of apartments. They're going to want you to look at 10%. So if there's 40 of them, they'll want you to look at four. If there's 200, they want you to look at 20 at the most. Uh, that's probably the most they ever let you look at anyways, 20. And you realize that in reality... They could show you 20, and there could be, if it's 200-unit apartment complex, there could be 160 of them are just destroyed. And they showed you the 20 best ones they have. That was the next thing, is that they would pick the ones that they want to show you and say that the ones you wanted to see, you'd pick them at random trying to catch them, right? I'm going to pick 20, but at random. And then you'd tell them, I want to see unit 19, and they'll say, no, I'm sorry, that's Mrs. Johnson or Mr. Johnson, and he sleeps during the day, so we can't go into that unit. Well, what are they really telling you? That unit's destroyed, we're not gonna let you see it. So again, inspections. Do you have them or not have them? Will they let you have them or not let you have them? I, today, would not buy anything they would not let me have serious inspections of. Now, when we talk about inspections, we gotta also talk about something called due diligence. There's additional amounts of due diligence you have to look at in different types of things that are very important. And when we get back from a break, we're going to talk about due diligence as a part of the inspection process or what we call the feasibility period of a deal when we look into something and decide whether or not it's safe to go ahead with the transaction. We'll be right back with the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Talk 13.7, the right choice. Now, here's some more unconventional wisdom to set you free from the man on a mission to retire America, one person at a time, Del Wamsley. Welcome back to Del Wamsley Radio Show. Today we're talking about mistakes that were made in the past when I didn't know what I was doing so that maybe you can be aware of them and not run into the same mistakes. And the one we're really working through so far today is uh, due, adequate due diligence. And we started out the segment, first segment, second segment, we're talking about inspections of the property. But there are many other things besides inspections of the property. Uh, there is inspections of the permits, stuff that has been built. I've seen uh, houses that somebody has built on and added additions to. And whenever I see a house with addition to, I just run now. The reason is because I learned my lesson. 
I've seen people take back patio slabs and build walls on them and call them an additional bedroom. I've seen people take garages and rebuild them into additional housing units and or bedrooms. And in many, many situations, these additions are illegal unless you get building permits. And the people who build them just build them. They get away with it. Nobody complains. Nobody sees it. The city didn't catch them doing it. Nobody turned them in. But then when you buy it, and then all of a sudden you have to have a, a utilities turned on or some other thing that triggers the city to do some inspection of the property or at least to come out and look at it to turn something on, um, that guy who comes out and turns it on calls his buddy who's the inspector for the city and boom there you go now you got to tear that whatever structure it is down you say well can't i just get it permitted no no that doesn't work that way you can't just go get it permitted once it's built without a permit the only solution is to tear it down well can i build it back you may or may not be able to do that um we ran into a deal where I think um, somebody had built a multiplex unit on a lot that was zoned single family. And so they couldn't do it. It's just illegal. You couldn't have that multiplex. I mean, you couldn't go back and get it rezoned. And you couldn't go back and, you know, you could tear the whole thing down. That's all you could do. So there, there's stuff like that you have to have the investigation done up front. Now, how, who does that kind of thing? Well, it's in Texas, it's called a title company. In other states, it's called an attorney, a real estate attorney. But somebody, the way it works here in Texas is that these title companies will give you title insurance. And what they do, basically, and this is important you understand this, is that they say, okay, we're going to pull a survey. And we're going to pull a, a list of all the liens against the property legally, you know, everything that's out there we can find. And we're going to review it and we're going to say to you, we will insure this property against these challenges. Well, you have to understand that, number one, they're only insuring against the stuff that they find. And the very fact that they don't find stuff is really not even their fault. Um, that's not the way to state it. It is their fault, but they're not going down for it. Because unless there was some reason to believe that there should be something to be seen, something that's not seen is not known. Right? So I'll give you an example. I bought these um, five duplexes one time, 10 units, and um, owned them for about a year. It was great rental properties, no problem. Then one day, um, one day there was um, a city, and one of the tents goes, you know, there's, you know, water, standing water in our backyard. We can't get rid of the standing water in our backyard. So the city comes out, and the city comes out and tests the water and finds out that there's, like, sewage in the water. And... Um, we knew there were septic systems. We knew there was a septic system in the backyards of these properties. So we just felt like what was happening, well, was that there was so much rain and these yards were so low 
that the water just stood there, and so that the septic system had no way um, of fielding out the, the, the dirty water and letting it evaporate away like a normal septic system would work. So I didn't know what to do. So I called the city and I said, look, I need to know what to do. I went, you know, you've given me the citation. I don't know how to fix this citation. Um, can you tell me what to do? And they go, we can't tell you what to do. You know, that'd be practicing law. You have to figure out what to do yourself. And I said, well, obviously, there has to be somebody can give you a report that, you know, you want us to fix it and then give you a report that it's fixed. Somebody has to be able to do that. And that would have to be some kind of an engineer of some type. So you must have a list of people that are authorized to be able to give you those reports. And if they're not authorized, they wouldn't be on your authorized list to be able to give you the reports. And they hemmed and hawed and whatever. Finally, finally after bugging them long enough, they said, okay, look, we have lists of authorized people. I said, okay, fine. I know you can't tell me who to go to. I get that. Okay. So do this. Please take your list out. All right. Tell me the first name on the list, the 10th name on the list, and the 20th name on the list. Then I have a random choice of people to pick from. And the list was probably alphabet alphabetical uh, as opposed to prioritized. And so just give me three names, you know, so I can call three different people and see what they charge me to do this. So finally I got them to do that. that you know, showing that there's no way that I could prove or anybody could prove that they did something, you know, demonstrative in that situation. And so they gave me the name and I called up the guy and I said, you know, you need to come out and tell me what to do. The guy said, he met me out there at the house, houses, and he get out of his truck and he had a big old pickup truck and he had on some cowboy boots. I mean, like you've never seen before in your life where the tops of the boots were rolled over at the top and the blue jeans were, you know, stuck into the boots. And he had a cowboy hat on and something in his mouth like a toothpick or a, or a match or something. I mean, he just was the typicalest redneck cowboy I'd ever seen in my life. And he walks out there and we shake hands. He goes, you, you got a problem here, boy. He's one of those kind of guys. Looks like you got a problem here, boy. I go, yeah, I got a problem. I said, what am I going to do about it? And he looks at the thing. And he you know, twiddles the stick around his mouth a little bit and walks around the back of the house. He says, what's your problem is, boy? You got too much water. I said, oh, sure. Okay, I get it. I said, well, what do we do about that? He goes, well, what you're going to need to do is you're going to need to put gutters on the house and then drain all that water from the back of the house down into a French drain that runs out to the front gully. And there was no sewer in this, just, just a, you know, really backwoods type situation where you have those little cul there's culverts or whatever they're called where there's a... Uh, a dip in the ground right by the road, and everything's supposed to run alongside of the road that way. So you run that out to there, and you get the front of the house, you put gutters on it, and you run that out to there, and then you'll divert all that water. You won't have all that standing water, and then you're... I said, and you'll, you'll sign off to that? He goes, yeah, I'll sign off to that. I said, okay, great. So I put gutters on the house, culverts or uh, French drains out to the culvert and had him come back and 
sign off, write an engineering report that, yes, the water had been diverted, that the problem was gone. And I sent that in, and the city said, okay. And I went after him. I said, do I get a release? Are you going to give me some kind of notice that it's okay? No, no. If there's anything comes back of this, we'll let you know. But if we don't hear anything else, then it just sits there. So I did all this stuff, and the truth of the matter is I wouldn't even have done it because nothing would have come about it because unless somebody else would have complained, it would not have come back up again. Learn something about the city and the way it works. Well, lo and behold, went by another year or so, no problem. Then one day a tenant calls me up and says, Mr. Dell, and that's what they call me. I have no idea why they call the landlord Mr. Dell. Mr. Dell, you might have a problem out here. And I said, well, what is that problem? Said, so, well, Mr. Dell, they're, they're, the big old lot in the backyard back there, the, the lot behind the house, which was a big, giant, empty lot, uh, commercial, down a commercial street where there was commercial buildings, but there was nothing there. They said, there's bulldozers over there, and they're digging that lot up. I said, okay, so that's fine. What's wrong? So, well, the bulldozer guy came over and had something to say. <laughs> we come back from break. I'm going to let you know what the bulldozer guy had to say. We'll be right back with the Del Wamsley Radio Show. Talk 1370, the right choice. Welcome back. Now here's some more unconventional wisdom to set you free from the man on a mission to retire America, one person at a time, Del Wamsley. Welcome back to the Del Wamsley Radio Show. Today we're talking about mistakes making and being made, excuse me, uh, in feasibility and inspections and so forth. And I'm telling you a story that is really, it's it's a funny story in that it is really scary, but it turned out to be okay. And that is a story where I found out that I own these, these duplexes and uh, my tenant calls me up and says, um, hey, there's a guy at my front door here driving bulldozer behind the lot in this lot behind us here. And he came by and said uh, that we have a problem. And I said, really, what is the problem? He said that the bulldozer guy had just broken our septic system, which was piped all the way out into the lot behind the houses. Now, to this day, I don't know if the engineer guy that I bought this place from who had built this thing, he built it himself, built his own rental properties. He was an engineer. He was also a professional. Um, what's the word for it? He testified at, at trial about illegal engineering stuff. and He was doing it himself. And uh, I don't know if he owned the lot behind and pumped and realized that the houses and the yards that um, were the size of the lots for the, the houses uh, weren't large enough for a septic system. There was not enough field area, which I found out later after I started trying to fix this thing. Uh, or if he owned the lot and put it out there because he owned the lot and then all of a sudden decided to sell the lot and the houses separately or what he did or if he just put it on somebody else's land. Uh, my impression was he put it on somebody else's land. Um, he just took the septic system and ran the lines into somebody else's lot. And because the backyards where the septic systems were out on the houses were so small uh, that they weren't large enough to be able to run efficient septic system lines. Now, 
Having found this out, I also found out and realized that we had wells in the front yard. So you had a well in the front yard, which was giving people water to, to drink. And in the backyard, you had illegal septic system. So I'm thinking, this is it. We're sued. We're all kinds of problems here, blah, blah, blah. So I went first to the tenants and I said, look, we got a potential problem here. Uh, these houses have been here for 20 years. No one's ever complained. But now that we know that we have to do something about it. So um, I'm going to let you out of your lease if you want to leave right now. I'll give you good notice. I'll give you back your security deposit. Or you can sign this release that says I release you from any past, future, you know, problems, whatever, potential problems. And to my surprise, everybody signed, signed the release. And they just wanted to stay because the rent was so cheap. Because, I mean, these were just really dungeon places. And um, after I got the releases, I then started looking for a solution. I, I went out and found out that there was no way that we could put uh, an effective septic system in there because there wasn't enough field area, as it's called, enough land. Uh, then I looked into whirligigging, where you just you have that stuff to sprays it out into the into the air. And not only was that seem, seemingly disgusting, but it was also very expensive. And by the way, I have that I have actually had that type of septic system in my house because I have massive, massive house and massive yard. I have enough room for regular septic system, but the tanks themselves have sprayers on them. So once the stuff breaks down in the septic system, it gets pumped into these uh, lines all through, all over my, my yard, and it sprays them off just like a, a water sprinkler, you know, just like your, your lawn sprinkler would do, and which actually is good because not only you get the water, but you get the, the fertilizer, and, you know, it's a, like a free form of fertilizer, whatever. But it was too expensive, and uh, there wasn't enough area really to do that because, you know, the sprayers would have sprayed, and the yard would always have stayed wet. It never would have dried out, and so, heck, you never would got rid of the problem. Et cetera, et cetera. So it came down to the only thing I could do was build a sewer. Then I found out more interesting stuff I didn't want to know. And that is to build a sewer, you got to go to the county. And you have to give up your land. And you have to dig. You have to, I'm sorry, not give up your land. You have to dig yourself a sewer. And you have to have the county uh, give you a permit to do it and then watch it and make sure it's done correctly. Then once it's done correctly... You have to have the right to tie it into a sewer line somewhere by up by the street somewhere and then run lines back to the house. But you can't just have a sewer because the only way they know how to charge you for a sewer is to have water lines. So we had to disconnect the wells and hook up city water. Whew. All that got done. Total cost. 25,000 bucks, and then you have to turn over the ownership of the sewer to the city, and then the city charges you for water and sewer. Even though you built the sewer, and even though you had wells, you now have to pay the city for water and sewer. So I went back to the guy who sold me the place, and I told him, this is what's happened, and I've got these releases from these tenants to me, but no releases to you, and you own the note on this place. And if you don't give me the money for the repairs that I just made, I'm going to release the ownership of this property back to you and then tell these people to sue you. And the guy walked over to his desk, pulled out his checkbook and wrote me a check right there on the spot. No attorney, no argument, no nothing. He knew he had done it. He wrote me a check for the repairs 
And I walked out of there having paid for the entire amount of work and trouble and legal fees and the whole bit. And I bought the entire thing for $200,000, but now that they actually had their own sewer and water, I had, oh, by the way, to get that done, I had to have them replotted into a subdivision with their own separate lots. Instead of one big giant lot, they became 10 different lots. And all of a sudden, they own 10 different houses, and the average house in there cost 45000 bucks a house in the neighborhood. So now they're worth 450000 bucks. Hence... I took my 200000 which I only put $20,000 down on, and made $250,000 with $20,000 of investment, and the guy paid for the repairs. Could I have figured that all out with inspections? I probably should have had the septic system inspected up front. But I didn't. And I had to take lemonade, lemons and turn them into lemonade. But for you, my friends, from this point forward in your life, to never buy real estate without inspections. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show, teaching you the opposite of everything you've been taught so you can obtain the results you've never obtained. Join us seven days a week. Can't get enough? Visit DellOnTheRadio.com to listen to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show, access past show podcasts, and join the conversation. The information and opinions you hear on the Del Wamsley Radio Show are those of the host, Del Wamsley, his guests, and his callers, and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this station, its affiliates, its management, or advertisers. The Del Wamsley Show is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a professional regarding your personal investment needs. Nothing presented on the Del Wamsley Show constitutes an endorsement, recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or security. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.